Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Best guys are going to play. I don't care if it's Nate Hobbs or Amik Robinson. I don't care what round they came in. We're going to play the best four or five guys, and uh, the players will decide that. That is Raiders head coach John Gruden speaking today for the first time officially to the media since last the last game or last season. Uh, I was trying to think, when was the last time we officially, officially spoke with John Gruden? And it was... Last year against the Denver Broncos in Denver uh, after the Raiders completed a, uh, a comeback win to end the season last year uh, on, a, on a victory over the Denver Broncos. Uh, but we, he sure did speak today. And uh, what you heard him talking about earlier in uh, that, uh, that soundbite, uh, he also spoke about how expectations are on the rise. The Raiders have shown they can compete in the AFC. They've shown they can compete winning on the road. And now it's time to start proving that they can win at a higher level. In other words, win more games. No more falling apart in the second half. Uh, no more collapses that prevent them from going to the playoffs. It's time to start winning more football games. And I think that John Gruden today basically put some players on notice in terms of and by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Hope you guys are well. It is another sweltering day here in Las Vegas. I mean, it is a 80-year record high, and we felt every single digit of that heat uh, today over in Henderson and continue uh, to feel it right now. It's just one of those weird uh, days and weeks in, uh, in Las Vegas history. It just so happens to coincide with the Raiders minicamp. And uh, it's put them under some in, some intense heat. We want your call, 702-365-9200. Uh, I felt what John Gruden said today, some of what he was talking about today, uh, represents a little bit of a change in tone and change in course for a lot of reasons, and, and many of them good. Uh, over these last couple of years, I feel like the Raiders have been on a couple of different tracks simultaneously one was overhauling a roster that when john gruden got here he took one look at and said we got a lot of work to do there are a ton of holes on this team across the board uh, it resulted in some you know quote-unquote controversial moves uh, to trade a khalil mack to trade an amari cooper the thought process being it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay one or two guys a whole bunch of money. I mean, obviously they were already paying Derek Carr, uh, but a, a, a you know a linebacker and a wide receiver a whole lot of money when there are holes along the offensive line, when there are holes at defensive line, linebacker, safety, cornerback, uh, you know, more wide receivers, running backs, you know, tight end at the time. Uh, there were just so many holes that I think John Gruden said, "Let's just blow this dang thing up." Um, let's figure it out that way. Uh, let's invest in, in draft picks. Let's get as many draft picks as possible. Make some select free agent signings uh, to help the process, help speed up the process a little bit. And so as a result of that, for the last couple of years, and, and, and probably rightfully so, there were some positions that went to rookies um, 
you know, uh, for development purposes, understanding that there is probably in some cases, you know, obviously anytime you, you put somebody out on the field, you want that person to be able to just perform at a high, high level right off the bat. That isn't always the case with young players. But in the Raiders case, the trade-off was, okay, you take your lumps a little bit along the way, understandably so, that's going to happen, especially when it's a bunch of young players, which this Raiders defense has been on the young side now for a couple of years. Uh, the thinking being, when it when we get out from under it a year or two down the road, everybody will be better off for it. And there's merit in that because you have a long-range view, a long-range vision. But I think what's happening now is the Raiders have closed the deal on so many of those positions uh, that they feel like they're in pretty darn good shape now to really compete for a playoff spot. And so jobs that may have been given, I guess, or, or, or yeah, given to, let's say, a player that uh, you, you kind of understand that there's probably going to be a learning curve, there's probably going to be a development process, uh, and, 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 and you might do it even at the sake of some production, knowing you're going to take a, some lumps along the way, um, you know, for in, 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 in pursuit of long-range success. I don't think that they're in a position to do that anymore. I think they're in win mode now. They've done everything with this roster, from revamping it, adding free agents, uh, draft picks. Uh, they feel pretty good about where this roster is headed, and now they want to shore up every single position. And at this point, and I know the, you know, look, every coach says we're going to play our best guys, and that's generally the case. However, there are times where you're playing a young player over maybe a veteran because you want that young player to develop. And, and in your long-range plan, that is more beneficial at the moment for the long-range process, even if it means you, know, you might lose a game here or, or two, um, or you might not get the top-of-the-line production. Uh, you're going you're gonna to have to take some lumps. I, don't, I think those days are over because I think the Raiders feel like this roster is in a place where competing for the playoffs not only should be the goal, is the goal. It's They have every right to think along those lines. So positions in the past that may have been... Um, you know, uh, for development purposes, and, and and let's let's take our lumps here and 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 get it figured out and be better off for it down the road. I, I think there's going to be a little bit of less patience uh, in that regard, and I think that there's some surprising positions that are open uh, that might have some surprising results by the time uh, this this season opens, September 13th, against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and specifically, we're talking about that John Gruden was right there, was was really specifically talking about that defensive backfield. Um, and it's it's one of great interest to me and I'm sure the rest of Raider Nation because obviously the Raiders put some coin into bringing in some veterans, Casey Haywood, uh, Russell Douglas, uh, the veteran cornerbacks that they brought in. They brought back Carl uh, uh, Joseph at safety. They also drafted a young safety in uh, Trayvon Morig. They drafted a young safety in Tyree Gillespie. Uh, they added a cornerback in Nate Hobbs from Illinois in the fourth round. Um, and you can see it. Like when you're on the field now, you can see that that position group, that that defensive backfield, that secondary group, it just looks better. It looks deeper and it looks more capable right now than really at any point last year. But the 
tricky thing is, is that a Casey Hayward at this stage of his career is probably better than Damon Arnett, right? And if you're the old, not the old Raiders, but maybe a year ago, maybe the Raiders were like, you know what? We're going to roll with Damon Arnett this year because we feel like once it all comes out in the wash a year or two down the road, he's going to be the player that we thought he was when we invested the 19th pick in the draft and getting him. He, he might not be there right now, but he's going to get there. And we'll take that. We'll, we'll go on that journey with him, even if it means, you know, like we talked about earlier, taking a few lumps. I don't think the Raiders are interested in doing that right now. If Casey Hayward is just offers the best option at that slot, at that um, cornerback position uh, on the outside, that's who's going to get that job. And then what happens with Damon Arnett? And this is what's so intriguing to me uh, because I think there was always this assumption that, well, Damon Arnett moves inside. You, you invested the 19th pick overall uh, in, in drafting Damon Arnett. You want him on the field, right? All right. Well, he played some slot cornerback in college. Maybe he's the guy that moves into the slot. And maybe he kind of follows the same path that Casey Hayward himself followed Earlier in his career, remember when Casey Hayward got to the Green Bay Packers, he started off in the slot and played it pretty darn well. It wasn't until a few years into his career that he moved back outside. And that's where he's been playing the last four or five years, specifically uh, with the, with the uh, L.A. Chargers. But, okay, you assume that that might be the case. But is it? I mean, I did a little bit of detective work uh, over the weekend thinking along those lines, like, hey, is, is, that, is that a potential path for, for Damon Arnett if he gets beat from the, on the outside? I, the answer that I got back, it didn't seem like there was a lot of confidence at this point. It was kind of one of those eh, too early to tell type things. Okay, so if, if Casey Arnett, or excuse me, if Casey Hayward beats out Damon Arnett on the outside, and John Gruden uh, will play this um, uh, play the, play the clip for you here in a second. John Gruden basically he said about Casey Hayward, look, he's he's here to bring competition, and he's not just going to give his job. And the way he said give his job, it makes you believe that it's his job, right? I mean, if you read into what John Gruden said, he's just not going to give away his job. Well, what job is that? It sounds like he might be the guy that's starting at outside cornerback right now. If the season were to start today, where does that leave Damon Arnett? Okay. The assumption was maybe you move him inside. Didn't really get <laughs> the feel uh, of that in, in any kind of a confident sort of a way. Uh, when I did some touching around to, to figure out if that was part of the plan, and then lo and behold, when Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, spoke today, and uh, I asked him about the slot cornerback position, brought up a few names and never once mentioned Damon Arnett. In fact, he talked about Amik Robertson, the second-year player from Louisiana Tech, and even more uh, significantly that, he spoke about Nate Hobbs the rookie from Illinois, the fourth-round pick from Illinois, who I wrote about him uh, in Vegas Nation, uh, the, the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And between now Casey Hay or excuse me, uh, Gus Bradley and Trayvon Mullen. Remember, we asked Trayvon Mullen a, a week or two ago, hey, who's caught, who's caught your eye among the young players? Uh, Nate Hobbs, that kid from Illinois. Yeah, he shows up. He knows how to practice. He's ready to go. He has the right attitude. He's showing something. Gus Bradley today, 
Jamon, if we have that clip, if we can, if we can play uh, Gus Bradley talking about um, that slot cornerback position, uh, I'd like to hear what the, hear that again, real quick. Yeah, I think right now there's a lot that we put on that plate. So at the nickel spot, you're seeing a lot of guys rotate in there. But um, you know, guys like Lawson has really jumped out. I, I think he's a guy that has picked up very well on it. Uh, Amik, we got playing there. He, he's doing he's doing a nice job on the inside. The guy that's probably really jumped out at us is Hobbs, the kid from Illinois. Uh, very impressed with him. I think he's come in with a real good knowledge of the position. So his learning curve is, is uh, really jumped up. So there, there's a couple guys right there that we're looking at. Uh, the, the safety position, um, you know, at free safety, both Gillespie and Trey, both those guys are, you know, until we get the bullets flying, you know, and walk through, you know, they're, they're fighting that boredom back there of just playing in our defense where, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. But but I like their mindset, some of the things in individual that we're seeing. But, uh, you know, we're holding off judgment on those two guys until we get more in the pads. That's Gus Bradley talking first of all about that slot cornerback position to meet Robertson, Nate Hobbs. You figure Nevin Lawson, uh, he's a veteran. He's been around uh, the block a couple of times. You figure that, you know, he's going to, that just that that experience is going to shine through early on uh, in this process. Uh, so, you know, uh, no surprise that uh, that he, he looks like, you know, he's got it, uh, grasping it uh, and whatnot. He's been around a long enough time. It should be uh, fairly easy for him. But the Amik Robertson and the Nate Hobbs and, you know, the continued uh, kind of praise that's being uh, heaped on, on, on Nate Hobbs, it's just conspicuous to me that right now um, Damon Arnett hasn't really been in that in that discussion. Now, it might, you know, once 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 uh, training camp starts and, and we see who's lining up uh, outside on the first team, it could very well be Damon Arnett. And maybe this is, you know, putting Damon Arnett a little bit on notice. Um coming off a, a rough season for him last year, a rough rookie season where he was hurt. Um, he had surgery, wrist surgery. We've talked all about it. Uh, the effect that that had on him being able to get into the weight room, which he couldn't, uh, he lost a lot of, he lost some of his size. He lost um, some of his muscle. He didn't look like the same player when he finally came back about eight weeks later. Uh, then he had the concussions. So uh, there was a lot that was stacked up against Damon Arnett last year as a rookie but you know as we've mentioned many many times the train leaves the train depot and it doesn't slow down for you it's your job to catch up to it and i don't know you know uh based on what john gruden is saying it doesn't matter i mean usually in most cases that high draft pick is going to get every opportunity right uh, they're going to get the most opportunities because that's where the money has gone. That's where the draft pick has gone. People don't like to admit, hey, Wimby, we missed missed it on this guy. Maybe we uh, took a uh, a big hack and uh, came up came up empty on, on this one. So there's ego that's sometimes involved. Um, but I don't think the Raiders right now are in a position to be worried about anything like that. They want to win. They want to win, and if Damon Arnett isn't ready to go day one um, when the season rolls around, when training camp gets here, so be it. As John Gruden said, the best players are going to win. I know that usually goes without saying, but if we're being honest about it, 
we understand that there's different circumstances for different teams depending on where they are in the development process. Sometimes you're just playing the young guys. You understand, hey, probably not going to um, uh, you know, win a lot of games this year. This probably could hurt us. Sure, we could go out and get uh, a veteran player and, and, and you know, maybe get better production from that position. But we believe in this young player. He's going to learn. He's going to grow. He's going to make mistakes. We're okay with that for the long haul. I just don't think that the Raiders are of that mindset right now. I think they want to win right now. So whether it's Casey Hayward or Nate Obbs or Amik Robertson or Tyree Gillespie or Trayvon Morig or Jonathan Abram, whoever is the best player is going to play. The Raiders want to win now, and they feel like they're in a position to win now. That's the whole key to it. That's expressing confidence everywhere else on this team. Like, like the weak link now can't be that what what uh, ends up they're going to shore up every single weak link they're going to make sure that whatever the weak link is they're going to manage that weak link as much as possible as much as they possibly can in order for it to not to be uh or, or to not be the reason why there's a collapse they don't make the playoffs they lose a key game um you know and and i th- i really believe that that's where their their mindset is and i think that's a little bit of a change it's a little bit of a shift from where they've been uh, the last couple of years we're gonna go out to the raider nation listener line gangster raider wants to talk about the raiders how you doing gangster raider hey what's up Vinny? i want to first good, of all i want to first of all say happy birthday to the late great tupac shakur who was from Oakland, lived in L.A., and got killed in Las Vegas. So, you know what I'm saying? And he was a Raider fan. So, happy birthday to the late, great Tupac Shakur. Happy Tupac Day. And also, I want to talk about um, the Raiders. Like I told you the other day, I'm feeling good about us. I like where we at. We got the Hall of Famers going in. We got two. You know, we got Coach Flores. We got Woodson. And we should show out in in numbers at the um, Hall of Fame ceremony and in Dallas when we played them on Thanksgiving. You know what I'm right. saying? But the, the point I want to touch on today is as as um a, a fan base, we need to be more cohesive. You know what I'm saying? No more color lines, no more like L.A., Oakland, Las Vegas. I touched on that before, but I'm starting to see it online more and more or whatever. But we need to cut all that out. We won Raider Nation. You know what I'm saying? That's all it is. You know what I'm saying? We got a capital now. We got a new capital. Las Vegas is the capital. You know what I'm saying? We got a new, brand new capital building, the Black House. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's celebrate as a nation and let's knock all that, you know, all the um, dissension and all that out. You know what I'm saying? And also, as far as the players, I feel that Cleveland Farrell is going to lead us in sacks. I know, um, I don't know if I told you that the other day, but that's who I feel is going to lead um, our team in sacks and step up and be big. And on offense, I think Drake is going to make a big difference in the red zone because, you know, we're terrible in the red zone and our red zone scoring. I think them two players are sleepers, and they're going to make big differences. You know what I'm saying? Cleve Farrell on defense and Drake on offense. You know what I'm saying? Happy birthday, Pac. I'm out. All right, man. I appreciate uh, appreciate the call. Um, that's that's bold on the Clee Farrell uh, prediction. I think Clee's gonna uh, have a have a good year. Um, you know, I've seen enough uh, so far in OTAs to know that uh, to see that uh, once again, I think he's come back an improved player. He did that from year one to year two. I expect that to be the case year two to year three. However, I will say this: uh, getting a chance to watch Unique Ngakwe, I know it's just drills. But this dude moves at a completely different speed than everybody else. I mean, 
everyone else is NFL caliber, right? For the most part, there's some guys at the end of that, uh, that position line uh, that might be practice squad guys, or, you know, maybe they're moving on to the Canadian football league after this stop or whatever, wherever their life takes them. They're still pretty darn good. Let's, let's not be uh, crazy here. They're on an NFL roster at the moment that puts them in a very, very high company. However, and, and, you know, when you look at a Max Crosby, when you look at a uh, Cleve Farrell, those dudes are NFL players straight out, flat out. And they're getting better by the day. Unique Ngakwe, um, man, you know, when you see it like that, you understand the difference. I used to see that all the time with Aaron Donald. Now, I'm not saying Unique Ngakwe is Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald even takes that to a whole other level. They play different positions, so um, it's hard to compare the two because it's kind of an apples and oranges type of a thing. Uh, Aaron Donald was just a devastating football player. Day in, day out, play in, play out. This dude would wreck Jared Goff and the offense and Sean McVay and the offense on a daily basis during training camp. There was just nothing you can do. He's that good. And so you saw it. You When you see it on a day-to-day basis, like that dude is better than everybody else on this football field. And everybody else on this football field is damn good. So that makes him, you, you do the math. Watching Unique Ngakwe today and yesterday and seeing the way he moves, the way he explodes, the power, the speed, the quickness, the agility, uh, the footwork, the handwork, you just see that, okay, this is something we haven't seen with the Raiders now for a little bit. I wasn't covering the Raiders when they had Khalil Mack. I'm not comparing uh, unique, uh, to, to, to Khalil Mack. But I'm saying that he's a cut above what else is out there right now. And what else is out there, I got to admit, Max Crosby looks better. Uh, uh, Klee looks better. I think that Malcolm Kuntz has shown when he's been on the field. He hasn't been on the field last couple of days getting some work in, uh, in the pool, so he's obviously dealing with something. Uh, he looks like he's got a little something. I've liked what I've seen from Carl Nassib. Remember, he was a big disappointment last year. I've, how many times have you seen a guy that, for whatever reason, didn't deliver one year, and the next year he's back on track? If the Raiders could get Carl Nassib back on track, if the Raiders could get Corey Littleton back on track. But all I'm saying is this. I know Clee Farrell is going to get more sacks, I believe, if he stays on the field than he has the last couple of years. But to say that he's going to lead the, the, the team in sacks, um, that would be great for the Raiders, maybe, I guess. But keep an eye on um, <laughs> Unique Ngakwe because that dude brings a whole other dimension to this Raiders defensive line. And uh, I think you're going to start seeing that ASAP. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, we've got Joe uh, online and we're going to talk to him in just a little bit. Joe, hang on. Uh, Vinny Monsignor in the huddle brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I think that uh, Max and myself are the best duo that's going to come hit the scene. And I'm already putting that out there. And I feel like the NFL has, uh, you know, they kind of shot away from that. And that's cool. But uh, Max is a hard worker. He's a guy that... Uh, He's putting in the work. Literally, I'm just I'm lifting weights right now. Max is in there doing things to get better. So it's the dedication, the commitment. And I can play all day with a guy like that. 
That's the new uh, uh, Raiders defensive end, Unique Ngakwe. Uh, don't you love it when, when, when people are self-aware enough to understand? Look, y- Unique Ngakwe signed as a free agent with the Raiders at defensive end, right? Um, by virtue of that, he might actually take some snaps away from Max Crosby. He might take his starting job, which, you know, Max is going to play a lot. But there's a good chance that Unique Ngakwe is the starter. Max Crosby is coming off the bench. How about the self-awareness of, of Ngakwe to say, to understand, like, hey, that could be a little bit awkward. And he comes in here, develops a good relationship uh, with Max Crosby, and is lifting him up. And... In, in the process, sending the message that it's, it's not just about me, it's not just about you, it's about us. And together, together, we could be as good as it gets in the NFL. Now, whether that means when they're sharing the field together, which they will at times, whether they're replacing each other uh, to keep each other fresh uh, throughout the course of a game and uh, of the season, whatever the case might be, for Unique to come in here and have the perspective and the maturity and the understanding like, hey, I could help this guy here just by being a welcoming new addition and not coming in here and trying to be the quote unquote leader. I'm going to, you know, hammer you over the head and I'm this and I'm all that. I mean, you can, you can no. He comes in here and says, you know what? Me and Max, me and Max, we, us, he and I, we're going to be the best at this together. I just think it's a brilliant move on unique and Gagwe. And it, it, it's done in a way that shows he's a class act and he gets it. Uh, and that's what being a good teammate is. And that's what being self-aware is. And the more self-aware, conscientious kind of people that you have in a locker room, the better off you're going to be. Trust me. There's no need for any knuckleheads. There's no need for any me, me, me players. Those are the guys that come in and come out really quickly and do you no good, basically. It's those type of guys that understand and have self-awareness like, hey, my arrival here is going to kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, maybe affect somebody, may affect Max Crosby. I'm going to lift him up rather than come in here and, and try to steamroll it. Um, so I think that's good on Unique and Gagwe in a smart way uh, to, uh, to approach it. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line uh, and welcome in Eric Eager from uh, Pro Football Fo- uh, Focus. Uh, Eric, First of all, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Uh, and uh, interesting that uh, football continues to, to sort of be the, the story, even though we've, we've got so many great sports going on. No question about it. And uh, having covered the NBA uh, for many years uh, back in my days in Los Angeles, when you say things are going on, it's just not th- that things are going on. There's a whole soap opera unfolding over in the NBA, um, like – the, the likes that I've never seen, the NBA has always had that kind of an element. But yeah, today was a crazy day in the NBA. And here we are talking about Unique and Gagwe, talking about how he and Max Crosby are going to be, be uh, one of the best duos and tandems in the NFL. But hey, the NFL is king, and we all we all know that. Um, when you hear that from your perspective, and I know Max Crosby had some flaws in his game that he needs to get corrected. I think he's putting it in the work to do just that. But when you hear... Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby and whether they're playing on the field together or like as a tandem where one replaces the other uh, throughout the course of, of a game. Uh, can you can you see those two players being productive in a way that Yannick thinks that they possibly can be? Oh, for sure. I think, you know, especially when you look at this team, you have Farrell, you have uh, you know, Solomon Thomas, you have 
uh, Ngakwe and then Max Crosby. I mean, this is a team, you know, the defense has been one of the worst in the NFL and, you know, in many ways because of, you know, some of the, the draft picks they've made and, and, and et cetera. But, you know, when you have a front four that has that kind of talent, uh, I think you have an opportunity to get a pass rush that's, you know, good enough to cover up for a lot of issues defensively. And I think when you look at the Raiders team, they're really good offensively. They don't need to be a, you know, top 10 defense to, to be a winning football team. They need a top 20 defense. And I think adding Ngakwe as a situational complementary pass rusher to what Crosby and Farrell have been, uh, especially Crosby over the first two years, um, I think that's a huge plus for them. We're talking to Eric. Uh, is, am I pronouncing it right? Eager? Um, is that is that how you do it? Or uh, if I if I need to be corrected, by all means, I have the one of the toughest names in the world, so I get it. No, it's it's uh, it's just how it's spelled. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, you can follow him at PFF underscore Eric. And, and Eric, um, you put out a, a great list uh, uh, recently, uh, and it was the best offensive play callers in the NFL. And the Andy Reid, obviously, is a guy that uh, is always going to be on this list. Matt LaFleur, who I uh, have experience with covering the Rams, I think he's up there as well. Uh, and you had him at number one. Uh, Joe Brady, an emerging uh, NFL mind, offensive mind, uh, now with the Carolina Panthers. Byron Leftwitz, uh, I really like that selection as well over with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But surprisingly so, maybe, to some fans, um, John Gruden comes in at number four. Uh, I think... Because of the losing or the lack of success or the two collapses over the second half of the season, I think a lot of fingers get pointed at John Gruden, some justifiably so. But in terms of his offense, in terms of his play calling, uh, I'm with you. Uh, I think he's one of the best that there is. And I I look at what he's been able to do, um, especially last year, with some flaws that I think were kind of laying right under the surface uh, of this team that he was able to kind of overcome to still help this offense score the 10th most points in the NFL. Um, if you can just explain your thought process uh, on, on giving John Gruden or putting him forth in terms of your uh, play callers in the NFL. Yeah, I think you laid it out there really well. Top 10 team in expected points added. Top 10 team in, in uh, yards per play. 10th, uh, I believe, in points per game. Um, all of that, you know, uh, with a quarterback who I think many would would say is probably what twelve, you know, twelve to fifteen in terms of how good he is, um, yep, and an offense where where you look at, you know, not a ton of weapons, right? Tyrell Williams never worked out. Tyrell Williams never worked out for him for him in in uh, Las Vegas or Oakland. Um, obviously, Hunter Renfro, uh, you know, Rugs was not great as a rookie. Now, like, the hard part in separating this is, and I talk about this in the article, is, you know, in evaluating uh, cooks, I'm evaluating cooks here. I'm not evaluating grocery shoppers. And I think, like, Gruden deserves a a great deal of criticism for the groceries he's brought home. But given what he's brought home, he's cooked decent meals for the Raiders, right? The only two games under 500 the last two years, despite playing in the division with Kansas City uh, and even the Chargers, who have been decent uh, during that time so i think i think he deserves a great deal of praise for getting something out of that group now the question as they move forward with him and mayak is it's sort of like can they bring better players into the stable right can they make select better players and work with them because i think gruden can do a really good job of taking players that aren't all that well regarded and and make them uh you know solid players can he be a guy who brings solid players into the mix to begin with 
Yeah, and I agree with you. And it, it's so interesting when you look at the evolution of the Raiders. Um, you know, they signed and or they traded for Antonio Brown, expecting him to be that you know, go-to number one type receiver that's going to take the top off the field and just be that ultimate weapon, right? And um, when obviously all that madness unfolded and and he excused himself stage left from the situation, it left a huge hole in the Raiders offense or what they expected that that offense to be. And I give John Gruden a lot of credit because unbeknownst to the whole world, he had this tight end by the name of Darren Waller, who he ultimately and eventually just ran the offense through um, in, in 2019. And then that continued in 2020. Um, and I got to give him a lot of credit, he and Mike Mayock, for discovering um, you know Darren Waller and then understanding what a talent he was and, and for John Gruden to, to literally pivot and structure the offense basically uh, uh, through him and around him was sort of some genius. Uh, but I believe that it needs the pendulum needs to swing a little bit back to the wide receivers. When you look at the numbers for the Raiders wide receivers these last couple of years, uh, they're they're it's not very good. They're you know uh, I think Hunter Redfro was their leading receiver last year at fifty three or fifty four catches. They need to get that up. Um, and even as good as Nelson Aguilar was, he didn't really catch a lot of balls. He was effective when he when he did catch the ones that he did. But if you're talking about some of the top wide receivers and the and the uh, great numbers that we're seeing from these wide receivers, they haven't been able to get it back to that level with their wide receivers. A, how important is that is it for them to find some answers at wide receiver and some real production uh, to to offset what they're doing with Darren Waller? And, and what are they going to have to do to make that happen, especially with a Henry Ruggs, maybe a Brian Edwards, some of these young wide receivers that they have on the roster? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, Ruggs has to be a player that emerges for them, and they have to, you know, that when you stick your neck out in, you know, 10th, 11th overall pick and take a guy, you know, who many had as the third, uh, you know, we actually had him pretty high. Like, we didn't hate the pick at all. Um, but when you have a guy, you take a wide receiver that's not the consensus number one, um, and you know, and he's limited to begin with. You really have to strive to, you know, that that has to be a spot that improves greatly for them. I think Renfro's a fine piece, uh, you know, in that offense. Uh, Brian Edwards, you know, got hurt, but uh, you know, he, he could be a player that does well for them. Um, Waller obviously opens things up. There wasn't a lot in the way. I mean, the fact of the matter is, like Nelson Aguilar went to New England on a pretty big deal. That sort of shows. Sort of the the lack of depth at the wide receiver position in this uh, you know free agency pool. Like the Raiders couldn't do much. Uh, I think what they continue to have to do, they have to be creative with the Kenyon Drake out of the backfield to go with with uh, uh, Josh Jacobs, who has never really emerged as a uh, out of the backfield player. They need to be creative with you know some of the players uh, you know that they use as far as you know working through uh, you know Derek Carr's progressions. But you know I think I, again it just has to be improvement, especially from Rugs. Rugs has to be you know, especially now in a 17-game season, a 1,000-yard player for them. Yeah, and we're talking to Eric Eager from uh, Pro Football Focus. You can follow him at PFF underscore uh, Eric. You mentioned Kenyon Drake, and I know that raised some eyebrows um, when they when they invested the money that they did in Kenyon Drake with the understanding, you know, from, maybe from the outside, well, they've got Josh Jacobs. Why would they do that? Um, but I, knowing John Gruden uh, and knowing the excitement that he had when that transac- transaction happened, he was pretty happy about it. And 
uh, it's like a new toy for him. And and I, I know that he's been drawing up uh, a bunch of plays to get Kenyon Drake involved in all facets uh, of the field. How do you see his role evolving uh, here with the Raiders? And what kind of things can you see John Gruden tapping into from a play, play calling standpoint uh, that, that really taps into what Kenyon Drake brings to the table? Yeah, well, you know, it, every single time Gruden's had a good offense, you know, when, when you're looking back at, like, Tampa Bay, right, like the Super Bowl season, Michael Pittman wasn't exactly like a great rusher, but he caught 59 balls out of the backfield. You know, they, they, they've had players, you know, you had Charlie Garner, I think, in Oakland, uh, and poss- as well as Tampa Bay as well. Like, he's always sort of, like, made a role for a guy to, you know, catch balls out of the backfield, even if he wasn't the primary runner. In fact, like you look, you look at the history of that team, and other than Cadillac Williams, I think in '05, they really weren't a, a team that carried a 1,000-yard rusher. Now, it, you know that that hurts a little bit when you use pick, I believe, 24 on Josh Jacobs just a couple of years ago, and now you're sort of like, you know, uh, pacifying it a little bit with a Kenyon Drake uh, in, as a pair. But I do think that sort of mixing and matching those two is really good because it keeps Jacobs from being, you know, sort of worn down at the end of the season. And it uses Drake in positions that he, uh, you know, is extremely good at. So I, I like that. Again, you know, this is a league where, and I, and I think you know, Ra- Raiders fans, whether they be from Oakland or Vegas, have have seen this for years. It's a league where linebackers aren't very good at covering players, right? And and the Raiders with Drake and with Waller, you know, can give uh, a ton of mismatches there and take some pressure off of the receivers that need to have big years. Eric, uh, a couple of days ago at, uh, at uh, during one of the mini camp practices, uh, the Raiders were work doing some red zone work, and uh, it was a good fifteen minute period. And it was every single play was out of twenty three personnel: two running backs, a fullback, uh, and three tight ends. And I lost track how many guys either touched it on a handoff, a pitch. Um, or a throw, a pass, uh, and even the quarterback uh, ran it in at one point. Um, and, you know, for, I know Pro Football Focus, and you guys get into all the formations, personnel groupings, all of that. Is that just sort of an ever-changing kind of an evolution in the NFL and, and some of these packages that we're seeing? And as jumbo and as big and as physical as that was, and they had, like I said, they had a fullback, a running back, and three tight ends. There was a lot of creativity that came out of that set. Uh, so many different plays, so many different looks, so many different players touching the ball. Um, how fascinated are you with that, and, and especially with what you guys do at Pro Football Focus? Uh, no, I, I'm, I think you look like one of the great offenses in the NFL. Like, look at all the, and I think Carr is better than every single one of these quarterbacks except for Matt Ryan, so take this with a grain of salt. But yeah. teams that have quarterbacks that aren't sort of in that one, two, three range, you look at Atlanta in 2016, they had the most yards in the NFL from 22 personnel, so two tight ends, two running backs, running bootlegs and stuff out of the Shanahan stuff. Shanahan goes to the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo is not as good of a quarterback as Derek Carr, and they were one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL with George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, and a bunch of running backs that you know sort of were interchangeable. Like, unless you have you know Patrick Mahomes, unless you have you know what the Chargers think Herbert's going to be, like you're better off creating mismatches that way because you know, the league is a two-linebacker league, two right? If you can get that third linebacker on the field in place of that nickel guy, then you have a matchup that, you know, that can be exploited. And the Niners sort of had singular players like Juszczyk and Kittle, but, like, Darren Waller's about as good of a tight end as Kittle is. And obviously, you know, uh, if you can, you know, use angle, if you have a fullback and you can use that, 
uh, and that player can create mismatches with the other team's third or fourth linebacker, that's really a cheat code, especially if you can do it on early downs. Yep, absolutely. Eric, I could talk to you about this for hours uh, right up my wheelhouse. Uh, I really appreciate the time. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, thank you for the insight uh, and everything that you do. Uh, good luck to you, and uh, we will certainly talk to you down the road, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Take care. You got it, man. Uh, that was Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. I love Pro Football Focus. Uh, I've told you guys this many, many times. Uh, pluck down the $35 or whatever it is on a monthly basis. Get the elite subscription um, and go to town. Uh, they've got so much information, and it's not just surfacey uh, information. Uh, they get down and crunch the numbers and, and everything else, and they give you a really, really good view of professional football. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. We're going to go right to the Raider Nation listener line. Joe wants to talk about the schedule. How are you doing, Joe? How are you doing there, Vinny? I'm good, brother. Hey, I had two uh, quick questions for you. The first question is, I don't know if you watch... Uh, uh, ESPN, but they had AFC West top ten teams. Raiders weren't miss. Raiders weren't mentioned. And my second question was, with this new uh, sixteen to seventeen schedule, I was just curious your procrastination or your um, your prediction on how many wins you think. Uh, the Raiders will probably have this year. Um, I, I, I don't, if their defense can get to just competent level, competent, and I think that they should be able to get there. Uh, I don't think, see there, think there's any reason why they can't win 11 games. I think this offense is good enough um, and plenty strong enough, and I think they're. I know that John Gruden and his staff uh, are trying to fix some of those offensive issues in the red zone, scoring more touchdowns in the red zone, uh, being better in terms of um, explosive plays and and that sort of thing, just being more consistent. Uh, So I think the offense is going to be fine. If that defense can just be competent at this point, then I think that they should win uh, 11 games. And, and, you know, I I think that when it comes to the Raiders and – well, you know, look, part of this is their own fault. Uh, they just haven't been able to put it together on a consistent basis. Uh, so people, you know, there's a lot of group thinking that goes on, especially nationally. Uh, so until the Raiders can show that they can be trusted, especially uh, after the fast starts that they've had these last couple of years, not be able to, uh, to, to close the deal. There's skepticism, and some of that's rightfully so. Some of it, I think, is misguided. Um, you know, I, I'm not pointing any fingers at people in the national media. It is what it is. I've seen this many times. When you cover something on a day-to-day basis, the errors that you see um, from the national people uh, that are just kind of swooping in and making you know quick judgments and whatnot, you see like some of the errors that they make that are fairly common sense to those of us that are covering the team on a daily basis or, you know, for fans following the team on a daily basis, it, 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 it always reminds you of their um, command of what's going on. Isn't always all that um, 
in, in, in depth. And so you almost have to take what they say with a little bit of grain of salt. Now, again, the Raiders haven't helped matters because they haven't had prolonged success. I think they're trying to change that. And I think that it's been a process uh, since John Gruden took over. I think they're doing it the right way. Uh, I think that they are, you know, trying to be a draft and development team for the most part. Uh, they've sprinkled in some uh, free agent pickups. I think it's it's getting to be more less that and more draft and development uh, as they go along, uh, but it's never a bad thing to be able to add a unique Ngakwe and a Casey Hayward to really immediately shore up uh, some problem areas in addition to what you've already done you know, via, via the draft. I think they're doing it the right way. I think they're doing it the prudent way. I think they're doing it with a long-range view, and the sense that I get, and I've told you guys this, last year when the Raiders were 6-3, and three, behind the scenes, there was no delusion. They understood there was a lot of work that still needed to be done. That work that was going to have to be put off till this offseason. They understood this pass rush isn't getting it done. Got to get that fixed. Not forcing enough turnovers. Got to get that fixed. Uh, there's so So they weren't like getting caught up in that six and three as if we've got all the answers. Everything that we need is right here. They knew at the time that work still needed to be done. I say that to say this. I, I feel a different level of confidence right now um, talking to people kind of behind the scenes. And that's really a lot of times where you get the real honest uh, answer. A lot of times it's not for publication. Uh, often it's just kind of giving you an idea of what their thinking is, uh, the, you know, whoever it is that you cover, um, so that you could tell a better story, basically, and a more thorough story, um, and a more honest story. And I can tell you this, and, and I, I thought it was expressed today with John Gruden, the expectations are higher, and there's a reason for that. They like what this roster looks like. Uh, and so I think now they feel like they're closing in, and I think they really do feel like they're on the cusp of pushing through. We'll see if it happens, but as opposed to a lot of work that still needs to be done at 6-3 and three to cautiously optimistic now about being able to push through, to me, is a... Big difference. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajano. We're going to go out to the uh, Raider Nation listener line, and Raider Dave is in Denver. How you doing, Raider Dave? Hey, I'm good. Uh, I wanted to say about the, uh, the schedule, the way it starts off, I think there's some similarities between Baltimore and Pittsburgh, just like there were similarities, uh, luckily, uh, last year with the last season with the first two games. So what, the, what Bradley is going to practice uh, can be put in place with a couple of those games. I think that'll work, and it's going to have to because of the short week. But to slay the Jets last year, that got a team out from underneath uh, where uh, it did, they didn't hold us from getting to the Super Bowl as one of the teams that we got by. Uh, but Baltimore, I think the ghost of Saragusa is something that is, is lurking in the back of Gruden's mind, and I think there's just an increased focus on really getting to this game and being just a fantastic team to start the year. And lately, in the last few seasons, the Raiders have started the season pretty well. So I'm looking forward to that, and I really think that the other sleigh will end up being the uh, the Titans, which I predict that the Raiders will meet in the playoffs in order to get further, whether it's a divisional game or an AFC championship game. But that's the way I think that plays out. And, and one of the biggest reasons that, 
the Raiders will have success is the team speed and the amount of youth. And I think that, along with it, brings a lot of energy and an attitude change. And I think that's what you're seeing in these uh, minicamp and OTAs is a whole mental change with this team. And as they get older uh, veteran players out and bring in younger players, and it was you know seven different starters last year on defense, it was like a rookie class. And now they've got those growing pains out of the way. They've got a new focus on defense. I really think it's going to work out. And you can tell that the mentality of Gruden and Carr like, this is it. This is the place and nothing else. I want to win a championship here. They you know, it was interesting, uh, Raider Dave, and uh, we were talking about this in the media room because I, I brought it up after uh, after it was all said and done. And, and, I, and I just to be sure I had it correct, I was like, was there one question about Derek Carr to John Gruden? There wasn't one question today about yeah. Derek Carr. Right. I figured somebody would come up with that, and I'm kind of like, uh, Vinny, everybody else is. is uh, you guys got uh, uh, you know zip ties around your testicles. Is anybody going to ask about this thing? But I well, think they really understand that it's not new. Carr's been saying this for years, and anybody who's paid attention to it has heard him say, "This is the only place I'm going to play. I want to win a championship here. I won't be traded. I'd rather quit." And the thing and about the thing about Gruden is. He wanted. I was on his lips to say we need to play like champions, but he didn't. He said we need to we need to raise our level of play, and it was so close there that he ended up letting it slip out in the next comment, which was we need to practice like champions. So they don't want to give bulletin board material out saying how good they feel about this team, but mind you, they feel really good about where they're going. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and thanks for the call, Raider Dave. And and you know uh, the bigger point too about the lack of Derek Carr uh, questions was because that's a done deal. That's set. Like like you can't get any more set than Derek Carr and the Raiders, and Derek Carr being the Raiders' quarterback. Um, I know previously there have always been questions: Is John Gruden going to trade Derek Carr? Is is Derek Carr the the future of this franchise? What does Derek Carr need to do better? I think he. I think Derek Carr, to be honest, he's shut up all everyone uh, in that regard uh, with the performance last year. And I think everybody pretty much understands that understands football. Whatever happened last year down the second half of the season had nothing to do with, with Derek Carr or very little to do with Derek Carr. In fact, the games that they won, if they didn't have him, they probably wouldn't have won. I think everyone kind of sees that and understands that that set, Quarterback is set. It's on to some other areas. And I'll say this too about what, you know, where the Raiders are and kind of the sense that I get. A few years ago, it was there were holes across the board. There was just massive crater like holes in this roster where if you were looking at it, honestly, you were thinking, this is going to take a while to get this thing fixed the right way. Think about what we're talking about today, the slot cornerback position. Granted, it's a hugely important position. But that's what you're talking about. It's like get it's gotten taken down to that level. And now who's going to win that outside cornerback position between Damon Arnett, a first-round pick, 19th pick overall, and Casey Hayward, who's a really good player. They've narrowed the question marks down to a very select little few questions. Uh, and that tells you where they are as a roster. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster. brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.